Hello, and welcome to episode 128 of the Colby Cast, your place for community and conversation about pop culture and storytelling. On this episode, Caleb, Luke, and I, we're going to talk about some music, we're going to talk about some fun stuff, and we're going to talk about Loki, episode two, entitled Breaking Brad, which is a fun reference. Uh, before we get on uh, onto our conversation, let's say hello to Caleb. Hello. Hello. Hello, Luke. Hi. Did you guys hear in the news, it was sort of um, all over the place on like Sunday night, a uh, uh, an X-Wing fighter, an actual prop that was used in the, in the 1977 filming of Star Wars, the original Star Wars, was found in a person's garage and went to auction and sold at auction over the weekend. Did you guys hear about this first and foremost? No, no, neither. Would you guys like to venture a guess for how much it sold for? Now, keep in mind, this was a prop, like an actual prop is not like a toy or model. We're not talking about Lego sets, an actual prop that was used in the filming of the trench run of Star Wars. It's been missing for three or four decades and it was found and it sold at auction. So with it's one of four. That was used in the filming. So with that in mind, you guys want to venture a guess how much it sold for? Let's do price of prices right rules. Lowest. So you can't or, go over? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's good. I like that. I'm gonna say twenty thousand dollars. What do they do in that guess? Good guess. What is it? Good was it? I don't know. Good. Bravo. I don't know. Clapping. Snaps. Family, I don't know. Feud, family feud is a good, good answer. answer. Oh, good answer. That's Family Feud, yeah. I don't think they do uh, that. with. Okay, so $20,000. That's, that's a good guess. Caleb, you want to go? You see, now now I'm doubting my answer because I was going to say some crazy high number because you said it's been missing for three or four decades and it's like an original. I was going to say like $1.6 million, but we're playing prices Right. So I'm going to say 200001 penny. <laughs> Well, Luke guessed twenty thousand dollars. So, whoops! You're going with. T- <laughs> I'm still going two hundred thousand and one penny. Two thousand, two hundred thousand and one penny. Um, it, they're both good guesses. It sold for three point one three million dollars. So I was getting there. Yeah, you said you were initially going to go for two million. I was going to say one point six, but yeah, one point six. Yeah, three point one three million dollars. Uh, it was found by uh, some friends of a man who recently passed away. His name was Greg Jean, and he was an Oscar-nominated visual effects artist. He died actually in May of 2022. Uh, his friends were, you know, getting his um, belongings together and were going through his garage, and they found this this prop, this legitimate prop, in a box with packing. Uh, packing peanuts you know like in it so it was not just thrown in a corner it was in a box um it people think and i heard this on the news that people think that it was lost when lucasfilm moved from the valley from the san fernando valley to um i think it was marin county up in um, northern california and they think it was it was lost at that point so it was in this guy's garage for who who knows how long and um yeah so when they found it he also had a full set of stormtrooper stormtrooper armor. 
Wow. That was used in the movie. That was also auctioned off, and I believe um, went for like six hundred thousand dollars, somewhere in that range. I don't have the number in front of me, but yeah. So this is the highest amount of money that anybody has purchased a Star Wars prop or anything like that for. Us. Previously, uh, it actually beat the previous record of another X-wing model that was auctioned, I believe, earlier this year for two point three seven five million dollars. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that so, is a lot of doubloons. That is a lot of doubloons. <laughs> <laughs> My question is, and I don't have an answer for this, so maybe somebody out there knows and could answer for me. Um, I don't know where that where that money goes. I don't know what happens to that money if it goes to the man's estate or if it's going to charity. It was sold through an heritage auctions, and I don't know how that works. So maybe somebody that's out there knows uh, can fill me in, but. Yeah, $3.13 million. It has like mechanized, like the wings actually open. It has flashing lights and there's an R2 unit in the top. And uh, it was one of four that was filmed uh, on the trench run. So it's most likely what the, it, Luke Skywalker was in this one. So it could have been Luke Skywalker's X-Wing. Uh, so fantastic. I thought that was super cool. I wanted to share it with you guys. So that's just I a think. Um, if we put all of our money together, we can buy a model. <laughs> Maybe one at Target. If I think if you guys put in thirty three point three percent of the total cost, we could probably buy a Lego X Wing fighter. Let's go. Well, so, as someone who just built the Millennium Falcon, by the way, humble brag. Um, yeah, I'm in. Well, hey, if you want to bring home an X-Wing fighter and put that together, and I did, I checked out your work, by the way, and that's pretty magnificent. Maybe I'll take a picture of it and post it out for everybody to see because you did a fantastic job. Has the turret guns and everything. I know I did. That's why I did it. (laughs) (laughs) The thing that we all love about Luke so much is his humility, right? Just love it. Yeah. Very. Um... I wanted to share with you guys some listener feedback because last episode we talked about a great movie that you'll likely never watch again. And we had some wonderful feedback from people. Uh, so I wanted to share that with, uh, with all of you, because as I've said last few weeks, we love it. We love it when people uh, interact and um, you're part of the show. We want you guys to be a part of it. So uh, this is why we're doing it. We love to hear what you guys have to say. And you guys have some wonderful suggestions and and things to add to the lists that we build. Uh, So here we go. Great movie you'll never watch again. We did talk about Schindler's List. And a couple of people seconded and thirded and fourthed that uh, motion. Uh, Liberty Timmons is one of them. Also, Rob um, Avila from uh, from The Rink. Uh, they both mentioned Schindler's List. Liberty also mentioned The Ring, and not because it's a great movie. She specifically said because of how much it messed her up. <laughs> That's why she wouldn't watch it again. I don't watch those scary types of movies, so I, I say, have you ever, have either one of you guys seen The Ring? I had never I heard not. of it until you mentioned it right now. You've never heard of The Ring? No. I want to look it up to see if I'm making that up, but I also don't want to have that in my search history or on my. (laughs) Yeah. I, um, like I've said, I don't do those scary movies, so, uh, it's not on my list. So thank you for the, for the heads up Liberty not to watch it. Uh, 
We heard from uh, someone brand new that we had never heard from before. His name on Twitter is John Solo, and he mentioned the Passion of the Christ. And I agree 100%. That is a, f- a f- magnificent movie, well well made on every level, very, very difficult, and not something you're going to look around to rewatch. Um, so, yeah, The Passion of the Christ uh, Sim, our good friend Simbot and fellow coach, he mentioned Requiem for a Dream, and he said that it's a masterpiece. I don't even know what that movie is. I don't know if I've ever heard of it. Have you guys? Nope. No. Caleb, Requiem for a Dream? I had never heard it, and then I saw uh, Sim post it as a reply, and... I can't stop seeing it on my Twitter feed. So I'm going to add it to my very long movie list and get around to watching it. Yeah. Can't be I'm going to have to never heard of it. <laughs> Move on. I may need to look at the trailer for that because I've seen it in many places. Like the music is, uh, is very famous for like motivational videos. I think, um, Mary Purdue, our good friend, Mary, uh, she mentioned Titanic. And I was super close to mentioning Titanic last week when we were talking about it. Excellent movie, clearly a, a you know award-winning, super popular, uh, very long, also not easy to watch. Not something you would sit down and, and rewatch uh, for for fun. How about you guys? Would you would you want to watch multi, uh, multiple times for Titanic? I don't think it's the kind of movie where I'm like, I'm never going to watch that again. Um, but I've also never really had like the itching for it. You know, I've never been like, Ooh, yeah, I I need some Titanic in me right now. You, um, you guys have seen it though, right? Like, uh, and I remember seeing it in theaters, but you've seen it, right? Yeah, I've seen it. I don't remember my first time seeing it. I don't even remember my first, my most recent time seeing it, but I've definitely seen it. Honestly, I've only seen like, maybe 40% of Titanic. And I still don't think I'll ever quote unquote, watch it again. I was watching it in freshman year of high school and we were watching it in like my art history class, but it had like, yeah, it was weird. Um, But it was a quote unquote art history class. That wasn't an art history class because we had like aspects of like digital design and film and, structure making in terms of like architecture or whatever yeah it was weird um because we were in like the film unit uh our professor or our teacher professor in high school get out of here um (laughs) she was showing it to us and then she just like sort of fell off the face of the earth for three weeks and then we never finished it we had a substitute teacher who started showing us other movies and we never got around to watching titanic again so that's where i will leave it um, did, did they send a, like a permission slip home to watch this movie? Did I sign that? Did mom sign that? Because, um, I'm going to email that teacher. I think that, uh, there's some, some certain scenes in there that shouldn't be shown to high school students. There are certain scenes that are in there, but like I said, we never even got to the I'm good sure stuff. seven years later, that's going to be really important. Yeah. <laughs> gonna, I will. I will email. I'm going to send a strongly worded email. You should send it to the superintendent first. I may even send it to the governor. You should. <laughs> but the list is not finished yet because Daz Davies, our good friend from across the pond, and his adorable little baby boy who is who is just too, too, too cute. Um, 
He said the sixth sense, if I could try to say that again, the sixth sense, uh, have, okay. I've never seen the movie and I know exactly what the movie's about. I've been spoiled for 30 years about the movie. Have you guys seen the sixth sense? Do you know what it's about? Uh, and in case other people have not been spoiled, if you know the ending, don't spoil it. Uh, I've only seen the prequel, the fifth sense. <laughs> what was that about? Smell? Um, touch. <laughs> Caleb, have you seen The Sixth Sense? I only know the one line, but you said not to spoil anything. I haven't seen any more than that. I just know that the little boy grew up and has a hell of a beard. Not oh, <laughs> Haley Joel Osment. I don't know why his, I know his name, but that's him, I believe. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, so I know what the ending is. I'm not going to say the ending. You guys clearly haven't seen it. You should check it out because it was a quite a phenomenon. And it was sort of like a pioneer in the uber twist type of knock you off your chair in the theater. Or didn't see that coming. So, And the line you know, which is not a spoiler. It's uh, I see dead people. Um, it's not, it's not the, uh, it's not the, that's not the spoiler. That's not the end. It's the oh, end cool. is yeah, it's different. So you so should check it, it out. Hasn't, so then it hasn't been spoiled for me, but now that we've talked about it and all of our devices listening, it's also going to be all over my Twitter feed. We should stop recording right now and watch it before that starts to happen. Yeah. Uh, but we will not because we have to talk about other stuff. Uh, yeah. So that is the, the feedback we got this week. Thank you all so much for reaching out and giving us those great suggestions. Um, definitely have to check out Requiem for a dream. Uh, and you guys should check out the sixth sense. So, uh, just a reminder, I put this out on Twitter and Instagram threads, hive blue sky. I do all that stuff. Uh, so if you see it flash across the, um, the, your screen, if the algorithm deems us, uh, worthy of, of showing you, uh, the post, feel free to chime in. We would love to hear what you have to say. And also, since I'm um, out there trying to create some some of that feedback interest, if you know what I mean, uh, just a reminder to subscribe uh, to the podcast if you haven't. Tell a friend and ask them to subscribe. And uh, shoot us some reviews, because that will definitely help us get to more people. Speaking of algorithms, though, Speaking of algorithms, I was blessed by the wise algorithm last week at work, and I had to share this with you guys. On Friday at work, I threw in my headphones and I put on YouTube music. Here's the obligatory um, uh, statement that we are not sponsored by YouTube music, although we would definitely take your sponsorship if you wanted to. Um, and I had a suggested playlist. This suggested playlist was Beatles cover songs. And I'm like, huh, that sounds a little weird to me. Just weird enough to check it out. So I looked at this Beatles um, cover song playlist, and I was blown away, like literally blown away by how many awesome cover songs there are out there from incredible artists of Beatles songs. Can I share a couple with you? Would you would you let me do that? Yes. It's your podcast. <laughs> Elton John has a cover of Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. And it's incredible. Michael Jackson has a 
cover of Come Together. Um, Johnny Cash has a cover of In My Life, wow. which I had to contain my tears in the middle of my office because it was so poignant and so beautiful. Um, one of the best ones was Carlos Santana, who come to find out has an entire album of cover songs. If I can pimp that one real quick, it's called um, Guitar Heaven. And he has a cover of ACDC's Back in Black. And the singer is Nas. <laughs> it's incredible. What? It is absolutely incredible. But the one that he has for the Beatles is While My Guitar Gently Weeps. And the the vocals is uh, India Ari. And they include the cellist Yo-Yo Ma in the cover of While My Guitar Gently Weeps. And I was just getting like for two hours, I was listening to this playlist and I was being blown away like left and right. Um, if I can go on, Marvin Gaye has a cover of Yesterday. Aretha Franklin covered Let It Be um, and Eleanor Rigby. Aretha Franklin has an Eleanor Rigby cover of the Beatles, and it's so good. Please feel free to Google these and check them out, listen to them, because some of them are just really, really incredible. So I'm sitting there, and I was immediately like, we need to talk about cover songs. Even if it's just for a couple minutes on on our next episode, we need to talk about some cover songs. So uh, I thought it would be cool to do a quick Mount Rushmore of cover songs. So you guys hopefully uh, are down and ready to go. Uh, you know, we don't have to spend a ton and ton of time on it, but I would love to hear what some of your guys' favorite cover songs. And we're also going to make this the question of the week. So I'll put that out on all the socials and I'd love to hear people's um, favorite cover songs out there. So uh, who wants to go first? Mount Rushmore of cover songs. And remember, this isn't like a number one, two, three, or four. This isn't a uh, one is better than the other. Um, and it's also, I don't, necessarily need it to be better than the original because that doesn't happen very often where a cover is better than the original but like something that a, an artist really made it theirs and just turned took a song and said i'm gonna run with this and something that resonated with you guys so luke you want to hit me with your first one yes um when you say beatles cover songs i i get very defensive because I love the Beatles and I don't like sharing. So <laughs> I, I'm not usually a big fan of Beatles cover songs because I feel like they're just not as good. Um, but this one is an exception because it is by the Beatles. The Beatles covered it. They did not write this song. Oh, nice. So loophole, take that. Till there was, uh, till there was you by the Beatles beautiful was not written by the Beatles no it wasn't. so it is a cover song and it, it disappointed me a little bit that it wasn't written by one of the Beatles because it's one of my favorite songs ever um, but realizing that it was a cover song made me go listen to the original and this is one of the cases where yeah the the cover is better than the original is Do the you... original like a notable artist it is by Sue Rainey. So no, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know that person, and I'm also not a music historian. So maybe Sue Rainey was very famous, but yeah, not on my radar. Not on mine either. 
Uh, that is a, an incredible cover. Yeah, absolutely. And now I, I sort of want to hear the original, but the Beatles uh, version of it is, is really incredible. One of my favorites, definitely. Uh, good, good start. Caleb. Um, honestly, I'm in the same boat as Luke. I don't like when people are unoriginal, but I really like it when people can maybe break the same plane and be as good as the original. And it's, very difficult for me to think it's even better than the original if I've heard the original and really enjoy it. But I think, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but Jeff Buckley's Hallelujah is mm. very, very good. Is it the one and from Shrek? Uh, yeah. Yeah, cool. that, that's incredible. I also didn't know that that was a cover. Uh, I had not heard that song before Shrek. <laughs> I did not um, do the homework. And go re-listen to the original. I just How remember it being uh, a cover. But man, he's a he's a talented dude. Yeah, such a beautiful, beautiful one. Uh, mine, the the one that's on my list, is actually a, a from the Beatles cover song playlist that I referenced, uh, but I just didn't, didn't mention it. And it's some it's a song I've loved for a long time. And I actually heard this version before I heard the Beatles version. And it's with a little help from my friends by Joe Cocker. And the reason I heard that one before the Beatles version was because as a child, I would watch the, the wonder years that was on television. And that was the opening credits song for the wonder years. So when I hear that song from the Beatles, it's, it's almost like, Oh, I, this is the cover of Joe Cocker, <laughs> which it clearly is not, but uh, it is an incredible song. You should, definitely check it out he you know you mentioned them not being unoriginal or being unoriginal caleb but a good cover song i think is them taking it and putting their spin on it and still in some cases maybe honoring the original but making it theirs so if they can somehow find a way to be original while reproducing somebody else's work i think it takes a special talent and i think joe cocker definitely nails it in his cover of with a little help from my friend so uh back to you luke my next one my uh, abe lincoln is all along the watchtower Jimi hendrix does uh, a cover of it and it's originally by bob dylan did I'm you so know that I'm so angry with you. <laughs> it's on my list too. Oh yeah. Well, I said it first, so you win. So, so you can just say it your own way and call it a cover. <laughs> I'm gonna cover Luke's Mount Rushmore cover song. Exactly. Um, okay. So to I'm just gonna go then and and tell you that I also had that on my list. I've always loved that song, and you know I did not know that it was a Bob Dylan song until today when I was looking into it. Me neither. And did you go listen to Bob Dylan's version? I sure did. And which one was better? If you like harmonicas, Bob Dylan's is better. But if you like... Real music? Yeah. <laughs> no, I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't like kazoos, then yeah, go with Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix absolutely slaughters this song in the best possible way. That... It just, oh, I don't know. It makes me want to like 
enlist in the military or something. It just invokes this like primal instinct in me. I start banging my chest and I think like, what do I have to do? Like somebody point me in a direction and give me a machine gun. I'm ready. The emotions that it conveys, I think captures the spirit of the song better than Bob Dylan's version. Like Bob Dylan's just singing it. Like he's just singing it. He's almost like a poet with a harmonica. But Jimi Hendrix comes in and he says, no, 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 no. This song is angry and it express and expresses anger. And I'm going to show you that in my with my my treatment of it. It's an it's amazing. That's exactly what it is. And Bob Dylan isn't capable of reaching that level of emotion. He's always just sad. He's, he's always <laughs> disappointed. He's not angry at the world for being the way it is. He's disappointed in you for letting it get there. You know, I'm actually sort of glad that you stole that from me because I was hoping that somebody, I figured I have one on my list that's going to get stolen. I didn't know it was going to be that one. So we'll see if the next one or if one is out there. So um, I, I get a chance to slot one of my honorable mentions in on my list because I technically didn't pick all along the watchtower. So, but yeah, fantastic pick. So Caleb, what's your next one? Um, can I just say Weezer? Oh boy. Okay. No, you have to be specific because I have a Weezer song. Can I just say the Teal album by Weezer? <laughs> okay. Mine is also on the Teal album by Weezer. <laughs> It's so a I cover need... album. Of course it's on the teal. But album. you can't yeah, just say the whole album. You have to you, said, you gotta give me a, but... a you have to give me a, a, a song from that album. I no. Yes. This is the Mount Rushmore of cover songs, not cover okay. song albums. If you don't pick a song, you sleep in the kennel. <laughs> <laughs> no, please not again. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean that hasn't happened. Me. That hasn't happened. Since you were in middle school. I mean, come on. <laughs> so you said you scrubs? Yeah. I love no, that. No <laughs> I just think it's so fun. Like, isn't it? Okay, I might. Who is it by originally? TLC. Okay, thank you. I should have just been confident with it. The TLC version is cool. I like it. I think TLC it's very, is it's, it's awesome. But go ahead. It, it's very poppy. But like this, like they're not a pop band. You know, and they're doing a pop song, and I think they do it amazing. Like I think that could be. I think obviously we're doing Mount Rushmore, so this is like some of our favorites, and we yeah. wouldn't just etch it into the side of a mountain if we were like lukewarm on it. But I think it could be like one of my favorite songs in general. It's super fun. The Weezer version of No Scrubs. Yes. Excellent. I. I'm sure we could do a whole episode about like rock bands in different genres of rock but like how much softer of rock can it get than weezer until it's pop yeah <laughs> like go listen to island in the sun and you have no idea if it's rock or if it's pop or if it's like almost sort of halfway reggae i god weezer is just so cool yes Weezer is fantastic. And yeah, listen to the whole Teal album um, because that's going to be my next pick since you brought it brought it up. Mr. Blue Sky from that album by Weezer. And this is one that I will actually go on the hot take and say better than the original. Electric Light Orchestra, Yellow, they did fantastic. Love it. And Guardians of the Galaxy, I think we even talked about this maybe last week. I like the Weezer version better. I don't know what it is, but I, I love this song so much. And it's the Weezer version. 
that way down deep in my heart, I wish that I could figure out some way to get permission to use it as the Colby cast theme song. I'd love it to be like the introduction of our podcast. I just don't know how to go about, go about doing that. So any of you guys that may know uh, somebody that knows Weezer or whoever has the permission rights to uh, Mr. Blue Sky, uh, send them my information. Cause I want to use it for our, our, our uh, intro, uh, but yeah, Mr. Blue Sky Weezer. Uh, it's just, so much fun and everything you said about the other Weezer cover and the Teal album. I'm just going to echo all that. Go listen to it. It's a great album and they do a great job at covering songs. So that's all. That's all I have to say about that. So I, I can't agree with you. I really? think they do a great job, but I think the highest it would go on the charts would be a one B. I don't think that it would ever be the song. Like I just love the original Mr. Blue Sky so much, and it's, all, like so much more. It's great, um, and well, I respect your opinion even when Caleb you're wrong. <laughs> what did you say, Luke? Go start the Caleb cast then. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, technically, I am Colby. Yeah, you you are. This is true. Um, okay, so that's my yeah, uh, my next pack pick. season. <laughs> my. <laughs> I will give my honorable mention and just ride the Weezer wave um, because I'm, I'm looking at the album right now and this is incredible, but I just, I got to go with Africa mm, by Weezer. Yeah. That's my honorable mention. It is, it's not better than the original. You know why? Cause nothing's better than Africa by Toto, <laughs> <laughs> but Weezer does do a very good job of paying homage to it. I apologize for saying homage. That sounded like throw up in my mouth. <laughs> um, my pick for my, uh, I don't even know who's third on Mount Rushmore, whoever that guy is, Hurt by Johnny Cash. <laughs> you did it. You stole two of mine. Two of mine. Hurt by Johnny Cash yeah, is also on my well, list. So go ahead. Tell us why. Hurt by Johnny Cash. It is the exact opposite of Mr. Blue Sky by Weezer. Mr. Blue Sky by Weezer will brighten your day. It will make you have the best day of your life. You'll be frolicking through the (laughs) aisles of Walmart if you're listening to that. Hurt by Johnny Cash will ruin your day. It will wreck you. I will be in a good mood and then, I don't know, maybe it's just like a self-destructive tendency, but sometimes I'll just think like, you know what? Let me ruin my day. Let me go listen to Hurt by Johnny Cash and just be in a sad mood and just create scenarios in my head that are going to make me depressed. And it is so hard to invoke emotion that powerfully, and he does such a good job of that. I hurt myself today. Side story, um, I don't know where I heard this story, but I heard a story about somebody at a karaoke bar and... Uh, some guy saying heard by Johnny Cash at the karaoke bar, and uh, it totally ruined everybody's night. And the bartender, like the owner, kicked him out and said, you're never welcome here again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it just killed the mood. Do you guys remember forever ago on America's Got Talent when that one dude sang Creep? Yeah. Yeah. It, oh, that's yeah, that's yeah. like, I would imagine it like that. Like, he did it so well, and like by the end of – the guy singing it. I don't know if the guy's famous or not, because I'm just going to keep calling him the guy. The guy. But he did it so well that nobody knew whether or not to clap 
because it was like he was singing it from his soul, not just like singing someone else's song. I don't know yeah, how many people. Yeah, hug. Yeah, definitely give that guy a hug. Uh, I don't know how many people are in that theater for America's Got Talent, but you couldn't hear you could you could hear a pin drop. There, were no, you could hear people breathing. Yeah, because they were all so silent. You could hear a pin drop across the street. <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah. So hurt by Johnny cash was also on my, and there's another one hot take for me. I, I think that that's better than the original from nine inch nails. I agree. I agree. The one by nine inch nails. It, uh, I feel like it was made so that somebody could do better than it. Yeah. They, they ran. So, uh, Johnny could fly. I don't know. I think I butchered that, but they crawled so he could walk. Uh, yeah, it's an incredible, incredible version, and it's what—it's a sort of a perfect example of somebody taking something and putting, making it them theirs. Like I'm gonna, because it's completely different. Like it's absolutely completely different um, than nine inch, nine inch nails, but it's incredible. So, yeah, thank you. Now I get to slot my honorable mentions into my list because you took the last two on my list. But before I get to mine, go ahead, Caleb. What's your next one? I'm gonna retroactively um, go and say. Hallelujah by Jeff Buckley is my honorable mention because <laughs> I am going to choose to put other cover songs higher on the list. And I'm going to say, um, how can you mend a broken heart by Al Green? Oh, that's a cover. Um, the original is by the Bee Gees and man, it is great. It is soulful. And I really, really enjoy soulful music. But it's definitely a mood because I don't ever sing unless it's in my car alone. Then I have like full on concerts and I will try and hit certain notes that I have no business ever hitting. And this <laughs> is one of the songs where like I can't help it. I'm going to try. My voice is going to hurt and I'm going to sound like a prepubescent boy who's just starting to go through puberty because I tried to hit the notes and again, can't. But man, it is so good. I don't know that I've ever heard it. So that's definitely going to go on my list of something to listen to very soon. You know Al Green, of course. Of course. But it's like, it's so good. Yeah, I have to check that out. Um, another one that is so good is the next one on my list, which I now get to jump up from honorable mention to On the Mountain. And that is People Are Strange by Echo and the Bunnymen. Again, this one is not as good as the original. The original is, is that the, doors? the Doors. Yeah, The Doors. But this this is another song that I actually heard before I heard the original. And that's because I went and I watched The Lost Boys as like a 12-year-old, whatever year that movie came out. And it's in that movie. And I just, every time I hear it, even The Doors version, I just think how much I love that, that, um, that, that movie, The Lost Boys, which is just... Uh, fantastic i love that movie and this was in it and it's like you can't really even find it on digital platforms you can find it if you search the right thing but it's not something that comes up too easily or at least it used to not and then also it's not on the soundtrack um if you look for the lost boys soundtrack at least it wasn't maybe it is now but uh, for the longest time, the only time you could hear it is if you actually had a physical copy of the Lost Boys soundtrack. It's just such a cool version of it, and I and I loved it. So, yeah, Echo and the Bunnymen, People Are Strange by the Doors. Um, that's my second to last. Luke, got your last pick for us? I do. My last pick is 
relatively new. I don't know if either of you will know the song. Um, it is called Streetcar, and it is a cover done by Daniel Caesar. He is an R&B singer. Just saw him live like two weeks ago. He's awesome. Shout out my boy Daniel. Um, and he covers a song by Kanye West called Streetlights. And it is a really beautiful song about um, like leaving your life behind and moving on. And it's uh, Kanye's version has more of like a up-tempo beat almost because he's a producer, right? So he's not like playing instruments and stuff. Um, but Daniel Caesar covers it and he slows it down a ton. And um, when I saw him live at the Hollywood Bowl, he was he had a great concert, great performance finished up the concert and all the lights turned off and then the lights on the screen turned back on and it's a camera following him all the way back into his dressing room and then he sits down pulls out a guitar grabs a microphone and then says okay i wanted to perform this one last song for you guys and he performed the song backstage for us to hear it while we were there in the hollywood bowl and it was incredible. It was, he somehow got the entire Hollywood Bowl to be like perfectly quiet so they could hear him perfectly. And it was, uh, it was incredible. That's pretty sick. That's, that's um sort of a cool way to do that. I've never seen anything like that done live where somebody performs it live, but he's in his dressing room. That's uh, pretty cool. What did you say? The, the name was Street Lights? The original is called Street Lights, but his version is called Street Car. Oh, and so Daniel Caesar's version is Street Car. Yeah. Nice. All right. I'm putting that on the list too, so I'm going to check that out. Caleb, what's the last one you got? Um, so I can't count. <laughs> <laughs> Did you forget how many heads are on Mount Rushmore? <laughs> no, I just forgot how many I've said already. <laughs> Well, you moved one off the list and put it to honorable mention and then moved another one up. So at this point, it doesn't really matter. So yeah, I moved one down the list and then I was definitely certain that I had enough space to fit on Mount Rushmore. Are you saying but, that you've you've used all of your all of your choices? No. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I have two more. Okay. But I'm going to say that in this timeline, this isn't the sacred timeline, but <laughs> Um, in this timeline, there's a fifth head on uh, the Mount Rushmore. Yeah, it's Kang. Um, yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, and for this one, I'm going to save literally one of my favorite songs of all time for the next one. Uh, this one is going to round out the fourth, the Earth 626 uh, Mount Rushmore. And it's going to be Ray Charles' I Can't Stop Loving You. Uh-huh. Because that was originally by Don Gibson. And to think that like it wasn't the original is crazy because he sings it like it's his own. Mm. And like you you know the Ray Charles song, right? Yes. Yeah, it's again, it's very soulful, but he's singing it like he's pulling the words out of his chest as he's <laughs> singing it. It is amazing. Uh fun fact about that, and and you probably know about this, both of you, but just in case you don't. Uh, Ray Charles has a an album 
where he collaborates with other uh, artists, uh, sort of like Elton John has been doing the last couple of years. Um, it's called Genius Loves Company, I believe. Yeah, it is Genius Loves Company. And there's a whole bunch of uh, some of his songs, others that are covers, uh, but the but he's with other people collaborating and other vocalists and stuff. Um, so if you haven't listened to that, that's amazing. That's an incredible. You made me think of it when you brought up Ray Charles. So good call. Anything by Ray Charles, I'm down. It's fantastic. So the last one on my list, and I have no honorable mentions um, because these honorable mentions have made it onto my list. Uh, the last one is The Black Crows, Hard to Handle, which is an Otis Redding song. By no means is it better than the original, but it's it's a it's a rocking song. Like it just rocks. I actually listened to it this morning at work, and it's um, it's so good. It's so good. Uh, and another one that I heard before um, that I heard the original. Uh, but Otis Redding's original just is is incredible. Is just amazing. But the Black Crows do a really great job of covering it, and it's got a special place in my heart because when it first hit the radio. Uh, Papa would walk around and and sing it. He would just even if it wasn't on, he would just say, uh, "Too hard to handle now." Yes, I ram. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. love loved that line. So it's always got a special place for my heart. All right, so that's everything on my Mount Rushmore. Uh, Luke, did you have any honorable mentions you didn't get to? No, the only one I wanted to shout out was Africa by Toto. Okay, uh, Caleb, you had a an honorable mention you didn't get to. Yeah. No, it's not even honorable mention. I don't. I can't believe that I can't count so much <laughs> that I completely messed this up. Uh, I, can, again, I can. I can. I <laughs> can. Um, "Killing Me Softly" by the mm. Fugees. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the best songs, in my opinion, of all time. I love Lauren Hill, so that might be why um, that song is so amazing to me. But that's another one that I will belt out in my car and not a soul will ever hear it. Unless um, you're like, unless you have your windows down in the street next to me and I'm singing as loudly as I normally sing. It's incredible. That is such an incredible song. I remember when it hit the radio waves back, uh, back when in the, in the younger days. Um, but they're actually, I'm, these aren't honorable mentions, but I want to go back to that original playlist I was talking about. Otis Redding has a cover of Day Tripper from the Beatles. Wow. Kills it. He absolutely, he Otis redding affies it. And <laughs> have you guys ever heard of a singing group called The Carpenters? No. There's a good reason you haven't. We didn't play a lot of Carpenters in the Mead household as you guys were growing up. But uh, they were a very, a very... 70s ballady love song they were a whole vibe like they were just a whole vibe and and sadly um it's they sort of ended in tragedy because it was a brother and sister duo and karen carpenter was the singer uh like the lead singer uh and she died unfortunately she died after losing a battle with um uh, i believe it was bulimia uh but they the carpenters did a um a cover of ticket to ride from the Beatles. And when I saw this, like, I'll be honest, I looked at it and I go, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to listen to that, but I did. And they made it work. Don't ask me how, but they made it work because if you listen to the words of that song, it's so sad. 
Yeah. It's it's not a but it's such a she happy don't care. Yeah, but it's such a happy and uppy, wonderful little ditty the, the ways the Beatles did it. But the Carpenters sort of treated it like the lyrics made it and made it a sad breakup love song, like love gone wrong. And uh, they killed it. So I wanted to give them a shout out for the two. All right. Before Good we job. move on, yeah, go ahead. I have I have certain things that I don't know why, but they are my favorite things ever. And in songs, I could not tolerate the song at all, but I will listen to it if one certain note or one little melody or one little riff just like hits my ear and scratches my brain in the right way because I like that sound so much. I already love Killing Me Softly as a song overall, but it has this like almost like I don't know what else to call it, but you know exactly what I'm talking about when I it's like a off sound. It sounds like I don't want to do it because it's brutal, but it's like a almost twangy, whatever sound that is. And I will listen to that portion. And I'm not even kidding you. If I'm in the car or if I have it in my ears, whatever it is, and I miss it, I will start the song over to hear that part play. <laughs> Wait, what song is this? Killing Me Softly by the Fuji. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. The hook. Like the hook that they have there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's almost like it's, it's almost like it's uh, it sounds like it's played on a sitar. Yeah, there you right? go. Yeah. And now when you hear my rendition and hear the original, you're going to get a good laugh, so enjoy. Now it's in my head. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. Well, we have Loki to talk about and if you guys if anybody has pushed play waiting to hear us talk about Loki, I'm so sorry if you're disappointed. We are going to talk about Loki. Um and whenever we sort of go off on these tangents and have multiple t- subjects, uh, do you guys remember the days when we were talking about The Last of Us, The Bad Batch and Mandalorian season 3 in one hour? Do you guys remember that? That feels like so long ago. Yeah, we did it. Whenever we do stuff like this, I always try to put a time breakdown in the um in the notes. So if you're not particularly interested in hearing about us talking about cover songs, uh, just look in the notes and then, you know, we'll, I'll put down when we start talking about Loki, uh, and that kind of stuff. So just a word to the wise, if, if, if we're rambling on about something that is not of interest to you, just check those show notes. Um, but we will get to Loki right now. So I'll give you the spoiler warning. We're going to talk about Loki episode two of season two called breaking Brad. Um, so from here on out, if you haven't seen that episode, go check it out, come back and listen, uh, because here we go with Loki. Um, I have to give you guys full confession on this. I watched the episode and it really, really fell flat for me. And I will, I will give you full disclosure. That's my fault. I, I realized after the fact to quote Tay Tay, hi, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. End quote. Well done. Um, I didn't, I did not do enough prep, <laughs> I think, for this show. And I didn't go back and rewatch any of season one. And it came out over two years ago. Loki is not an easy watch. It is a super dense, weird, twisty turny show with timey wimey things and what other kind of Dr. Seuss words can I use for Loki, but it's all there. And I realized when I sat there watching the credits going by 
saying to myself, what happened? What happened in this episode? Like two, two things happened in this episode. And I wasn't even thrilled that they had, that they happened. It's because I didn't understand what was going on. So I went back and I actually watched the two episodes that they have on Marvel legends, which I had forgotten was a thing. My fault again, full disclosure, but they have a episode talking about the TVA and they have an episode explaining the variants. And really between those two episodes, it gives you a really good synopsis of season one. I did not have the opportunity to go back and rewatch episode two though, but I do believe that I have enough in my brain to, to ask about for you guys to explain to me maybe what happened in this episode. Who wants to give a crack at it? I'll do it. I th- I thought you might. Before Luke gets into it, I had a history lesson with Luke because I felt similarly. I felt very lost. I felt behind the eight ball because of how dense the show is as it is. Yeah. Um, now they're even adding more layers to it, which I think is crazy. Um, so not an hour ago, I was asking, I think I asked like Luke 10 questions and he just like rattled off the answers very well. Oh, good. So I well, maybe you guys bit. should re- re-ask those questions or Luke, give me the, uh, the Cliff's notes because um, I, I didn't know what was going on very well. I know enough, but I want to hear what you have to say. So Luke, the mic is yours. Run with it. God, you, you put too much faith. Anyways. <laughs> The synopsis at the beginning, we are we arrive. No, um, basically, the way that I viewed this episode is that this was moving the needle, but not quite, you know, swinging the pendulum all the way to where we're hitting the ground running. Right? I think the first episode is very much um, hitting the ground running. Right? Every everybody's running around like the world is ending because it kind of is, and this one sort of tried to match that energy because, you know, they're interrogating that guy who was sent to go find Sylvie. I believe he was sent by, I don't know her name, the Irish-Scottish... Docs. Her, her Docs. name is Docs. So that guy, Brad, was sent to go um, find Sylvie. He found Sylvie but decided that he would rather go spend his life back on the timeline where he was a world-famous actor. And in doing so, he sort of revealed to Loki and um, Mobius that he had found her because they knew that he was loyal to Docs. And that's why he, he didn't just abandon his post. He realized that um, they were just going to bomb every timeline anyways. So there was no point in acting on anything. Um, and not to skip around, but as they uh, progress throughout the show and you know they torture him and try to get all the information out of him where they end up finding Sylvie, I think the most important plot point, which sort of, I think it was too important to add anything else to the episode because it would have watered it down, is that uh, Docs went out and killed billions, if not trillions, of people pruning other timelines. And uh, I don't know exactly like how that worked. I know they 
we had seen it in season one where they would go prune timelines and um, they would go like set those charges. So I'm assuming that's what they were doing, where they were just manually pruning every single timeline. Um, and I do agree that it sort of, I don't think it was a slow episode by any means, but I don't think it was particularly eventful. And I think it was because they wanted you to understand, like, this isn't just something that is happening because, you know, it, this is a side effect of the TVA collapsing because though he who remains is dead, I think it was intentional to show that there was a decision made to go kill billions, if not trillions of people on the timeline. Thank you for that. And it brings up a question that I had, and it was about pruning those timelines. For me, and maybe I was just really confused up to that point throughout the episode, but when they sort of jumped right into that and they found this sort of centralized hub where they were going to hit the button and then set off all the charges to prune all these these, these timelines simultaneously, um, I was like, where did this come from? And I know, I know that they showed in the episode one, you know, they had stormed the armory and they were going into these time doors and stuff. But I was just so like, if you think about it, the lives lost in that action, in that like maybe one minute scene could rival the lives lost in the snap. Like we're talking about a Thanos level type 100%. of, right? And it to me, it just sort of felt like it was just shoehorned into the last part of the episode. And I was so confused by it. Um, I mean, did they at any point in season one, besides the individual pruning of timelines, which, you know, they only had one at a time to prune anyway, was there any lead up to this? Did I miss something that built up to this point? Because it didn't, it felt like a payoff of something that was led up to that I completely missed. In episode one, while they were having that meeting, um, they uh, they made it very clear that Docs was not in agreement that everything had changed to her. Everything was still the same, and that they still needed to protect the sacred timeline. That that was the thing that they needed to do above anything and everything. And um, at toward the end of the episode of episode one, they had. Um, Docs and a bunch of other soldiers like walking through those time doors, right? Right, right. And they said, uh, no way, this is all for Sylvie, right? Right. And but that was it, right? That was the whole build up. Yeah. I think they could have done a better job of showing that. Um, but they were so focused on the time loom and OB. Yeah. And I was okay with that. But yeah. that just goes back to that episode being too short. I really feel like an extra five to 10 minutes of you know, showing the TVA, um, all the soldiers, the Minutemen, you know, yeah. that they were all in agreement that they needed to continue bombing the timeline and all that. So we have these different factions, right? Am I understanding this properly? Like we've got Docs and her crew that want to preserve the sacred timeline at the cost of lives. Then we've got B-15 who wants there to be free will and let people live uh, in um in, in a 
basically preserve life and let them live their lives, right? So that's two different factions that are on the opposite spectrum of each other. What what is Loki doing? And I am I'm not asking this to make a point. I'm asking this to ask: like, is he he's concerned about Sylvie? Does he care that's, what team is he on his own team here? Like, what is Loki doing? That's what I'm thinking. I think that he sees what is coming in all the other kings and the war of all the kings. Now that he who remains is dead, and there is nobody. Um preserving the sacred timeline because i was talking to caleb about this and um i don't want to explain this if everybody already understands it but the way that i'm interpreting it is there are the people in the tva who their job is to preserve the sacred timeline if the sacred timeline is not intact and other branches grow i think everybody in the tva thinks that everybody's gonna die and that the time loom or the temp- temporal loom is going to explode or whatever, and it's going to kill all of them. But what I think that's gotcha. going to do is as the branches grow, the other Kangs will exist in those timelines and then wage war for their timeline to survive. And I think Got that's it. what Loki's trying to prevent while also trying to save Sylvie and be with her. And does Mobius fit in? to that plan too, because Mobius is one of the more interesting characters to me because he doesn't seem to care whatsoever about where he came from, what he did. They even have that scene where they're talking about, you know, when they're eating their pie and he's at Loki asks him, don't you want, wouldn't you want to know? And he said, no, I'm afraid that I would see something good. I was, I'm afraid that I would have a good life. Um, so he seems to be really like just living in the moment, but I'm not quite sure what his motivation is either. So is he on Loki's team? Is he on B-15's team? Or is he in his own team? I think he's on Loki's team. And I say that because Loki and him have been in agreement in all the things they've done so far. Um, he also... Like, I think they both realize that they could just abandon their post and let whatever happened happen and they go do their own thing like Brad did. But I think they both want to save as many lives as they can and continue doing the right thing the way they're doing it now. Okay, so in a sense, they're sort of siding with B-15 because they want to save lives. Yes, but I don't... I, I think that they're on the same side... But I don't know if they're in agreement in how they should be doing it. Um, Caleb, you mentioned you had questions that you had discussed with Luke before this, and we've—I've just asked him a, bo- a whole bunch of questions. Were there any other questions that you asked that might benefit my brain um, that you guys talked about before? Before now, I couldn't understand. I couldn't remember how the finale happened last season like why sylvie and loki have this distance why the uh sacred timeline was in jeopardy almost Uh i couldn't remember most of that stuff which is sort of shameful but luke being the encyclopedia helped me uh fix my sacred timeline in my brain um 
the other thing that I couldn't remember was um, what the effects were having killed He Who Remains. Mm-hmm. I had it backwards in my brain, but Luke did a good job of clarifying it for me. Um, I didn't dislike the episode, but I, I do agree that it's very much a catastrophic event, literally bombing timelines, which yeah. sort of seems like standard operating procedure for the TVA previous to the understanding that um, variants aren't just variants, that there are other real people with lives, yeah. which I did think was very much emphasized this episode um but they i don't know they continued to have this sort of uncertainty when it comes to sylvie because of how they ended her on screen in this episode um and i i would recommend that you go back and watch those two episodes (laughs) of legends because it helps to I, I had also forgotten the my, the finer details of how things ended up. Like I had, and that's an and that's sort of a byproduct of how we're consuming these shows now because we have pretty much a minimum of two years between seasons. And I'm not going to go on a whole tangent about that because I've done that before, and I'm not going to just keep saying the same stuff about that. But the finer points, like I had completely forgotten about when Loki got pruned and they went to that sort of like where that big smoke monster was and that they had to do my that favorite thing. episodes. Yeah. And you get all the different Loki uh, variants, you know, I had sort of like that had just sort of fallen out of my brain and the legends episodes definitely helped. So if you need a refresher, go back and check that out. Let me tell you how dumb I am though, because from the beginning, <laughs> From the beginning of the episode, I was confused because I literally had no idea who this Brad person was. And they kept on calling him by his TVA name, X5. And I know that he had even been in the previous episode, I think briefly, but still he was in the previous episode. But when they show up to the theater and go find him as this movie star, I don't know. I guess put a different hairstyle on a dude, and I just don't know. I don't recognize him because I was like, "Who is this I guy?" Either. Okay, so it wasn't just me. So what I'm hearing is Clark Kent really could have gotten away with just glasses to hide his identity. Listen to me. I grew up watching Christopher Reeves play Superman, and all he did was stand up taller as Superman <laughs> and put on glasses as Clark Kent, and it was completely believable to me so yes to answer your question yes clark kent just needs glasses uh and brad just needs longer hair because i had no idea so the whole beginning part of the episode i was just lost i didn't understand why he was important i enjoyed it like i enjoyed the loki magic that was cool to see him sort of pull his loki stuff again and then i liked the interrogation scenes as far as like how the acting was and um this episode had some of my favorite things about Loki, which is the writing and the performances of that writing, the dialogue and the interrogation scenes were excellent. They were really riveting, like the emotion behind it. And then the, the, uh, when Loki and Mobius go to have their pie, just sitting, I don't know if you guys remember this, but I just kept saying after Loki season one, just give me more of, Mobius and Loki sitting at a table eating pie. Just give me more yeah. of that because that was my favorite stuff. So got that. I was happy about that. More OB. I mean, Kihu Kwan is like, he's two for two. Uh, another highlight in this episode. 
I love the fact that um, <laughs> at one point he's just like, uh, what's higher priority, uh, this or the temporal meltdown? <laughs> like he was actually asking, yeah. like, what do you want me to work on? Because I'm going to work on that. <laughs> My favorite thing about it, though, was it wasn't like a, a snarky question. It was no. a genuine question. He yeah. wanted to know, hey, boss, what is on your priority list for me? Yeah. What's more important right now? What do you want me to work exactly. on? I'm going to go do that. Amazing. So what does he do? He, he hands the manual to him and says, here, go. <laughs> I loved that. The character whose name I always forget. Um, I loved that he was freaking out when he saw OB and wanted an autograph and all that. I thought, yeah. like, finally, somebody's paying OB the respect yeah. he deserves. <laughs> yeah, he's a great character. His name's Casey. And I'm so glad he's getting more to do in this, in this season because he was so much fun last season. And he's, he's, I think he's already had more screen time and more dialogue and he's, he's great. I hope he continues to be a part of it. Um, so we get Sylvie back. Uh, I don't, I don't, is there anything that I'm missing about Sylvie? Because she, she just wants to be left alone. Is, am I understanding that right? Well, I think she puts off the facade or has the facade that she wants to be left alone, but at the end of the episode, she's holding that same little like glass tube thing that he who remains had. Okay. And I didn't, re- I don't remember what that is. Anybody have any clue in that I could, I don't know what that is. What that, what does it say? I actually mind? don't know. Okay. So maybe we're meant not to know yet. Cause I remember cause they showed it in the recap, but they didn't give us any context as to what that is or what that does, but it definitely came from he who remains right. Kang. Yeah. I'm assuming it's going to be some sort of like, I don't know. My brain says it's going to be an add-on. Like they made a very big deal of the temp pads being adjusted. Exactly. Altered and improved, enhanced. I think it's going to be something along those lines because it looks like it's its own little like timeline inside the little vial. Maybe. Yeah, it does. It does. I really don't know if it's another timeline just stuck in that because it makes me think maybe i don't know it makes me go maybe there's an even worse kang (laughs) that's stuck in that medallion i don't know yeah maybe Um, got to him and shrunk him down oh maybe that's where i mean he did do that at the end oh spoilers for ant-man we're just not going to talk about that (laughs) um (laughs) uh yeah go ahead because no one else is talking about ant-man sadly i I was really hoping for more from that movie but it was enjoyable um Okay, well, I feel better about where I'm at now after this discussion and sort of realizing, okay, yeah, Loki is a dense view and I'm going to need to probably be in the right mindset when I go after these episodes. Uh, And I think I feel more comfortable where I'm at with remembering what needs to be important and to see what's going forward. And maybe some confusion that I was left with was on purpose and then other confusion that I was left with has been cleared up. So thank you. Uh, for helping clear that up. And I feel good that I wasn't the only one. (laughs) Any final thoughts from either one of you guys uh, on Loki before we finish this up? Mobius. Mobius got, he was out of character. Yeah. Like he was angry. And I think it's, I think, I don't know. They're doing a lot in this show. We always talk about how they're filler episodes and dad, you never agree. But this show is like, this I'm going to just move on. (laughs) Um, This show is like almost the opposite. It's just like, here, there's some stakes. You want more stakes? Here are more stakes. 
oh, you didn't have enough of those? Here are even more stakes and <laughs> things in jeopardy and limbo. And this is a third through the show, right? Like we have six episodes total? Six. Yeah, six episodes. I want to know what's going to be after this. And I think I feel like I need – I have now come to a point where I have to let go of that because I was – getting caught up too much on well wait a minute how does this affect doctor strange and the multiverse of madness and how does how does this work with that and how is this no i have to put that away i i, I think that that is messing my own brain up and i'm just going to look at this as its own standalone story you don't you don't have to give in to the man you're letting <laughs> disney spoon feed you everything question it always hey, it's delicious i'll just keep taking the spoonfuls <laughs> Luke, the any revolution final thoughts? will not be televised. <laughs> he says as he sits in his dark room. Uh, any final thoughts for you, uh, Luke, <laughs> on Loki? No, no. All right. Well, thank you for uh, for helping me um, uh, uh, clear up some of those things. Um, one last thing I'll say is that I did like it when I think it was Brad was calling um, uh, Mobius a nowhere man. Cause it's another one of my favorite Beatles songs. I'm like, Oh, he's using a Beatles song. He called, he called him a nowhere man, like two or three times in that after Mobius slapped him. Um, and he also had a, the knock, knock joke, the knock, knock joke that Mobius said to Brad was fantastic. And I didn't even still know who Brad was. Do you guys remember what it was? He goes, knock, knock. Who's there? And Brad, Brad, who that's showbiz. <laughs> God, that was like a, so that was like a Michael Jordan, Scotty Pimpin, back and forth, all of you slam dunk right there. That was good. Yeah, completely improvised. Those improv classes are paying off, huh, guys? Yeah, speaking of which, I'm going to need to take out another loan to pay for those. <laughs> Say hi to Michael Scott when you're there. All right, well, that's going to do it then uh, for our final thoughts. And and we did get to some Loki talk, and uh, this was fun. Uh, so let us know what you what you guys have on your list of Mount Rushmore of cover songs. And if you have anything else that can help um, clarify any local Loki confusion, send that our way as well. We need to hear it. And if you are confused about anything about Loki, clearly we have an expert here, so we will send it his way and he'll answer you, and then you won't be confused anymore. So I'm more than happy to lie to you. <laughs> just make it up fake it till you make it um all right well thank you guys for having this conversation with me thank you all for listening so for caleb and for luke this is colby reminding you that i am the Eggman. they are the Eggmen, and i am the walrus <laughs> you can find the colby cast on twitter and instagram at the colby cast if you're wordy like me you can send an email to thecolbycast at gmail.com. Please subscribe to the show and leave a review on your favorite podcast app or wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is not endorsed by anyone or anything for that matter. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Colby cast, unless otherwise indicated. That'll do, donkey. That'll do. 